Well, praise the Lord. Give Jesus one last big hand today. He is good to us. Give your neighbor a high five. Tell him you're looking good today. You may be seated. If you look in the pages of the Bible, in the last thing that Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew, and really in all of the Gospels, and early in the book of Acts before he ascended to heaven, Jesus said, I want you to take my Gospel to the whole world. Everybody say the whole world. Now, God loves Texarkana, but He loves all the nations of the world. And it's the mission of the church not just to look out for its own city, but to look as far as it can go in taking the gospel. We had a team get back last night about 1 in the morning from Mexico, and I see several here. If you're here this morning and you were on that team, stand up real quickly. I saw Pastor Travis was here, and my wife is here somewhere. Yeah, guys that went to Mexico. Well, they took the good news to Mexico. Uh, if you give in the globe, we buy Bibles from that globe. That takes the gospel. But one of the greatest ways that we connect with the world is through men and women that God has called to minister in a nation, and men and women that are literally changing a nation. And we've got a guy like that with us this morning. His name is Jay Threadgill. He's been my friend over 20 years. He's known in this church, but I wanted him to come. He's from the nation of Haiti. Uh, uh, he's actually from Florida. Poor thing went to Florida State University. He couldn't get to Texas or Arkansas, so that was where he had to end up. But anyway, that's where he went to school. But God called him to go, and he's changed the nation, literally. And I want him to tell his own story this morning. But would you give a big hand today to Apostle Jay Threadgill from Haiti? Somebody say praise the Lord. I didn't see Texas up in one, two, or three. I think I see Alabama, Florida State. Praise God. Oh, <laughs> Amen. Get yourself in trouble if I get the last crack at the mic. Hallelujah. It's such a blessing and an honor to be here with you today. Last night's service, two services today. I want you to know that your pastor, Pastor John and Pastor Linnell, are two of our most favorite people in our lives. And uh, this is one of our most favorite churches. Matter of fact, my wife's not here. She sends her love. I'm only here for a couple of days. She said, I can't go there just for a couple of days. I got to go when I can go for a couple of weeks. And so she's really just waiting for our youngest son's uh, granddaughter to be born. And uh, so she can take a couple of weeks off then, then. But she sends her love to all of you. But she says this is her most favorite church in all of the United States. Praise God. Hallelujah. And she says that your pastors are her most favorite pastors in all of the United States. Praise the Lord. And so that's a big thing because we've seen a lot of churches in this United States. And uh, that's quite a compliment on her part. She just uh, so loved. Uh, Pastor Linnell is very close to her in her heart and is one of the women of her life that can speak into her life and encourage her, pray with her, and vice versa. And they're, they're very good friends. And we just thank God. We thank God Linnell got back from Mexico. Praise God. Now, that woman is a soldier. That, I mean, I just, you know, want to remember how when Jesus rode in and they put the palm trees and their coats and everything down. When I see her, I think I should take my coat off and lay it down on the ground. Praise God. Hallelujah. And say, walk there. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If that, that woman is a, is a missionary, and even though she bases here, that's a missionary, praise God. Hallelujah. And she has such a nice husband to help her go and send her and let her go and praise God. But we all know better that if he didn't let her go, we'd have heck to pay, wouldn't we? <laughs> praise God. <laughs> no, just kidding. Praise God. I get a lot of time with y'all. See, there's no time limit. That's the bummer about second service. Uh, <laughs> 
No telling when we get out. We'll get out of here before two, I promise you. Hallelujah. Pastor John asked me to really give a little, uh, little history lesson on our life today and our ministry. Uh, how many of y'all really don't know me or my wife or anybody here? Lift a hand, lift a hand, lift a hand. Come on, come on, come on. See, that's about 30, 40%. So Church on the Rock, Texas is growing with new people and fresh faces. It has been probably about a year and a half since we've been here. Been a good little while. And so, you know, it's good for us to kind of re reacquaint everybody with how we got where we are and what God is doing. Um, 27 years ago, 27 and change, I was uh, sitting at my dining room table very early one morning. It was a cold morning in Florida. Florida doesn't have many of those cold mornings, but it, a freeze had gone through. And we lived in an old Florida house built in about 1910, and it had no heat, and we had space heaters. I mean, that's the only thing that would heat it. There was no heat installed in those homes. It was very, very, it was, you know, one of the classic houses and on their list of homes and all that stuff. All that meant is the air went through it and you froze to death. And uh, I was sitting there and we had that, remember uh, olive gold carpet? and har No, olive green and harvest gold. Uh, we had olive green carpet and harvest gold uh, kitchen. Everybody had that in those days. That's what you had, praise God. And, and so, uh, and it was shag. You remember shag carpet? I mean, that's long gone. The shag was so frozen it would crunch under your feet as you were walking through the house. And uh, the kids' rooms, they had it halfway decent because they were upstairs and all the heat went that way. But downstairs never got warm. And if you was in the kitchen at the dining room table, you had to open the oven door and turn the oven on so you could be warm, praise God. So I'm sitting there, and I've always in my lifetime been a very early riser. I know I'm going to make some of you sick, but uh, for 30-ish years, I've been getting up about 4.30 every morning. When I sleep in, it's like 4.45. Like <laughs> if I have a day off, at 6 a.m., I'm twiddling my thumbs in bed, you know, going, what do we do now? But anyhow, I was up very early and praying and reading the Scripture I find it just a good time for me to hear God. It's quiet in the house. Nobody's running around. No telephone calls. We didn't have any cell phones or internet back then. And so uh, I'm just sitting there, and I'm reading the book of Isaiah, and that's always been kind of my uh, habit is to pick a book. I don't read chronologically the Bible. I have, but I, I like to just be led by the Spirit to read a book, and I'll read that book in my devotions. And uh, so I was reading the book of Isaiah at that time in my devotions, and I came to a verse, which most of you would know if you'd been in the church at any time, but it was Isaiah chap chapter 6, verse 8. And uh, God was speaking, and he said, Isaiah wrote and said, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I, send me. Now I had a blanket over my head. Now I'm freezing, you know, and, and in Florida, I know it's hard to believe, but it does get colder occasionally. And uh, as I read that passage, I heard an audible voice behind me say the exact same verse. And I threw the blanket off my head out of surprise, and it, it shocked me. I was in fear. And I turned around to see who had walked in on me, and how in the heck could they know I was reading that verse? And I realized there was no one there, that it was God, and it was an audible voice of God. I've heard the audible voice of God twice in my life. And I know, that, and it's, it's rare. Most people don't. And uh, that was the first time that I'd heard the audible voice. And he said to me, who will I send and who will go for us? And I'm pretty, I'm not the sharpest tack in the box, but I lifted my hand. I said, here am I, Lord, send me. And about a year later, we packed our family up, young boys, three young boys, 
a 13-inch TV, a VCR, and the first Nintendo ever produced. That was the important piece of the equipment. And some coolers, a camp stove, some travel trunks. I, 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 I packed bladder wa bladders for water beds, and we built our own beds, and uh, rented a house and moved our family to Haiti. God had said to me, he said, I want you to go to this nation, and I want you to take this nation from my kingdom. And I, I didn't have 50 cents to rub together. I had no real true support, had no real partners, but what I had was a word from God. And that's what we all need in our lives, a word from God. It wasn't long after that I began to realize the term that is currently being used very much in the kingdom, destiny. You see, God has a divine plan and purpose for every single person in this room. The book of Jeremiah says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. God knew you since the beginning of time. He knew that you would be sitting in this service today. He knew what you would be doing in your lifetime even as we speak now, before he even created the earth. And so God had a plan for me, and God has a plan for you, and I really want to encourage you today to pursue that plan. And so I went motivated by the words to take a nation. And so we didn't have much, but that's what God said to do, so praise God, that's what I'll do. And I would stand on the street corners and preach and bat my arms. And we hooked up with a fellow that had a little sound system. And we'd do these little bitty crusades. And, and uh, we'd do little children's crusades. And we'd just do whatever we could to touch that nation with hardly nothing. No one ever told me. He didn't have internet then, so he couldn't do a Google search on Haiti. No one told me that it was the seat of Satan for the Caribbean. No one told me that it would, the, the state religion was voodoo and black magic. No one told me that the government was as corrupt as you'll find anywhere in the world. No one told me that there would be kidnappers that would take your family and hold them ransom. No one told me that there was gang violence in this nation. No one told me these things. I guess that's what saved me, praise God. Hallelujah. Sometimes lack of knowledge is bliss. But God, I looked at the, at the map. That's all you had in those days was a map. And Haiti was very small, about that big on the map. You know, Africa about that big. I thought, well, this ought to be a piece of cake. We'd do, so I developed a two-year plan of how we're going to take this nation. I, I was a little gullible. And uh, I said, you know, we can go in there and storm it real hard with crusades and leadership seminars, and certainly we can get the, that little place saved in a couple of years. And uh, so we went, and uh, been there 26 years now. Started with nothing. After the first year there, God finally convinced me to plant a church. Now, you have to understand, for the first year, I argued with God because I was an evangelist, and he just didn't understand that. And I told him, I'm an evangelist, Lord. I'm not going to start a church. I'm not a pastor. What we really didn't know is there was no knowledge of apostolic ministry in those days. And so, at the very least, they would call us church planters. And so, I didn't understand that. Then I see it, hindsight being full of sight, but... Uh, at that time, I didn't understand, so I was sure to prove God that he was making a very big mistake in asking me to plant a church. So I invited one couple to my first church service. The rest was family. We had six. We had six in the first service, and I finally surrendered. Now, I argued with God for a year. I want to explain something to you. Whenever you argue with God, God wins. So if you're sitting there today and you're having this little kind of discussion, which in my terminology is an argument, just go ahead and give it up, bow your knee, hand it to him, because he wins every time. 
So anyhow, I started with the six people, four of my family, two are uh, my invited couple, and then the next week we had 60-some-odd. I didn't tell nobody. Them two people went out and told a bunch of people. And then the next week we had 110. The next week we're looking for a building and found a tin shed that would seat 300. Had one bathroom in the corner of the sanctuary, and if someone went and used it, you smelt it. And if it rained real hard on that tin shed, no one could hear me preach because the tin was making too much noise. It would seat about 300, and we got to go into three services there. Finally found a building that would seat about 12 to 1,500. There we lasted for a little while and ended up doing five services there. And then, of course, came the greatest catastrophic event of my life, and that was the hurricane of January, I mean, not the hurricane, the earthquake of January 10, 2010. 300,000 people lost their lives. It's the fifth largest natural disaster in human history. Fifth largest national disaster. Right now, we should be praying for the Philippines. Thousands of lives have been lost there as they have been swamped with a tremendous storm. But this was, this was something that will never leave me in my lifetime. The carnage was beyond explanation. The dead bodies and the, and, and the removing of the dead was horrendous. 60,000 people lost a limb, amputees. And in the midst of it, we were able to be very much used of God in the relief efforts. We were boots on the ground, and people joined with us and helped us. And we were able to put food out and medical supplies out. We birthed our clinic out of that. And first, clinic, first doctors we had at our clinic were, were Israeli doctors. And uh, we had food coming in, and we, were able to, we had amputees even in our clinic, and it wasn't even a real clinic. And so it was pretty intense. And then from there, we really had to climb a mountain. You know, there's a sp passage in the book of, I think it's Exodus, no, book of Joshua where uh, Caleb demands to get his mountain. And he cries out and he says, God promised me, Moses prophesied it to me, that I had a mountain to take. And this put me on a whole new mountain. And from there, that, that message got developed in our own lives where, where Caleb cried out and said, Lord, give me my mountain. And so there we were on a whole fresh new mountain. We had to protect the ministry. People are scattered. Everybody in that city lost somebody. I mean, everybody in that city lost somebody. We lost 32 in our church. Out of that, six of them were extremely close to Linda and I. They were our spiritual family. The Bible school was in session, and the building came down upon it. And so there we were trying to hold a ministry together and at the same time convince or continue to advance the kingdom of God and now work on a building, a new facility to house our church. And so, uh, you know, we pressed forward into all of that and uh, began to raise funds. And I want to especially thank Church on the Rock Texarkana, who sowed very generously into our building fund. And you guys are awesome. Just go ahead and say awesome. See, we're creating the atmosphere. Say awesome. That's right. That's what you are. You're awesome. You're awesome in the kingdom of God because you sacrificed and sowed greatly and uh, had a lot of miracles. You were one of them, uh, of sowing seed into that building. That was one of the hardest things that I've done so far in my lifetime, was making it through the quake and then having to build that building. And uh, what, what, what a fight it was and what a, what, a, what a fight of faith it was. We had no building, fun, well, we had no building loan. If I could have got one, I'd have, I'd have borrowed the money, trust me. That's why God wouldn't let me. And we had to raise the money. Um, we were about the, to, to ship the, the materials and, and, and to ship it. 
was about $350,000. And boy, we were toiling at about two seventy for a long time, just to just raising money and 5000 here and 2000 there and 10000 here and socking it away into a fund and believing God we'd never touch it. We never really did until it was time. And, uh, but we're there and, and the tent's tearing up and, and the hurricanes have beat it to death and we had this wonderful tent donated to us. That's in its own story. I can't go on to that story. And, uh, but from a church that didn't even know who we were. They just heard about a church that was lost in the quake and found out who we were and donated a $60,000 tent to us. And uh, so you'll see that in a minute. I'm going to show a little video. And uh, so we're plighting along, and a guy calls me up on, on, the, on, the, uh, on the phone. He says, I want to bring my wife and show her Haiti. He had been on a team like a year before. And I said, sure, come on down. And so, you know, when you're in a need, I want to encourage you. There may be some of you sitting here that are in great need. I want you to know that God is greater than your need, that God is bigger than your need, and do not try to figure out how God's going to do things. You understand me? Just go ahead and just believe that he is. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it, praise God. Hallelujah. And so the guy comes down with his wife, and they're only there for four days. He was a guy on a team. He wasn't even the team leader or nothing to do. I just kind of met him once. And spent a week with him on the team. And I, didn't, I don't even know if I sat next to him at dinner and ate with him. Because, you know, when you get a team, you got three or four tables, people out, you know. And, uh, he, said, and, he, and he, was a, he was a train engineer, an engineer for train. And so he says, I want to come down and show my wife Haiti. And so he comes. And we show him around. And on the last day, he walks in and says, I want to put a little something on the building. And so what I do is I always just grab, I tell him, put the offering in my hand cover it and we pray and so we did that we put the offer in my hand we prayed and when I opened my hand and I opened the check it was a hundred thousand dollars I looked at him go ahead give a hand clap to the Lord I said how does a train engineer give a hundred thousand dollars he said well I got a little land got some oil wells on it and I get a royalty every year and when I was here last year God told me to bring you the royalty Somebody say amen. Well, that got us into the building, at least to be shipped. But nobody told me you need five or $10,000 a week to keep the subs going and everything else going and materials on the ground. And we made it, praise God. Phase two is 99% finished. Then comes phase three. So, um, so anyhow, the Haitians are very resilient. And I want to run that video real quick, and we'll go from there. Stretch out of your stakes. Stand in faith Our God is great and greatly to be praised And mountains shake Let the dead awake And His name is Yah
God's enlarging this place Lift up your hands Let the King of glory Chain break, make the crooked place straight. Let God arise, let God arise, let God arise. Sing more, God. We estimated probably about six to 7,000 at that service. Pastor Linnell will testify that was a five and a half hour service. But you know what? It was only at the very end that you start feeling the time because there was so much happening, so much anointing on it, so powerful. That was the 25th anniversary of our church, and we got phase two about 80% ready for that. And we're still plugging along and doing little things here and doing little things there before we start to attack phase three. And when we start to attack that, you will be notified. Praise God. <laughs> Trust me. Uh, but you know, the Haitians are resilient. They went through a devastating quake. The ministry remains strong. We're advancing the kingdom of God, which was a miracle of God. Church attendance continues to grow around 7,000 in Sunday attendance, national television. We're on national television, national television, free. Yeah, praise God. They came to me one day and they said, uh, uh, we'd like to come and film your services and put it on the air free. What do you think? And I went, mm, okay. <laughs> and uh, now we've just been contacted a week ago by the new cable network that Haiti now has which they never had one of those before. A new, well, I guess they had one before to Quake, but it wasn't too good. A cable network, and one of the channels on the cable network came to me and asked me and said, would you mind if we filmed your services and put them on free? And I had the same answer, praise God. And so we are touching a nation for the glory of Jesus Christ, praise God. Unfortunately, 
If you want privacy in your life, you're now finished because after the president of Haiti, it's me. The whole world knows me. I mean, anywhere I walk and go, Pastor Jay, Pastor Jay, Pastor Jay, Pastor Jay, I just look at him and go, no, he died. He's definitely, uh, you know, <laughs> I, don't, I changed my name. Praise God. Hallelujah. But it's a lot of Pastor Jay going on in, in the nation of Haiti. Um, over 1,000 people pray every morning. Pray every morning, 6 a.m. Used to be 2,000 when we were on the main street. But when, that, when the first church came down, we had to move it to our campus location, which now you have to come find me to pray. Still over 1,000 come and pray. They come and find us to pray every day. November 1st, we called a day of prayer and fasting thanks to Pastor Linnell because two years ago she stood on my platform and prophesied. And you know she's a prophetess. You do know that, don't you? And she prophesied that God was going to shake my church. Boy, he has shook my church. Man, I'm not sure I'm letting her come back anymore. I'm not sure. <laughs> Praise God. No, you know that's a fib. She can come stand on my platform any day she wants to. And, uh, but, you know, we've been coming through the shaking, and we're coming out the other side, but we decided as a church we wanted to fast and pray. Now, November 1st is a holiday. That's All Souls Day and All Saints Day, the Catholic uh, holidays. And so we had over... 5,000 people come and start praying at 6 a.m., and we didn't release them until 2 in the afternoon. And nobody ever left, just more kept coming. And uh, they would have gone till 4 or 5 o'clock. We just felt like we'll release at 2 to release them. And that's 5,000 people that will come and pray for eight hours with you until you say we're finished. Hallelujah. A lot of worship. A lot of, we took Holy Communion, dedicated our hearts and our souls to the Lord, and, uh, and a lot of great things happened out of that fast and prayer. But you know the difference between the Haitian Christian and, 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 our, and our own culture is there's a desperation there for the things of God because we're talking about people that can maybe not eat every day. Now, there's not a day I've not gone without food in my lifetime unless I chose to by fasting and praying. And, I don't, and, and it's hard for us to wrap our mind around that. I just recently count, counseled some young people in our young adults ministry. They, they were orphaned in the quake, and since the quake, they've been allowed to sleep on some neighbor's roof. That's where they sleep, on the neighbor's roof. And so now we're having to draw some money together, help them get a little house. And when I talk about a little house, I'm talking about one-room house. You know, I'm not talking about two-bedroom and a bath. I'm talking about a one-room house, but we had to do that. But that was the first that I'd heard of it, and my young adults pastor brought them to me and said, can we help these people? And I heard their story, and I said, we got to help these people. We can't just leave them sleeping on a roof. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so, but they're resilient. There's a desperation. Now, let me just take a rabbit trail here. God is creating a desperation in the United States of America, and we better go ahead and respond. I, let me just go ahead and share with you. It's better to respond now than later. Now, this great nation is slipping down the slide a little bit. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure this out. And I'm here to tell you, it isn't a Democrat or a Republican that's going to save this thing. There is only one that will save this great nation, and his name is Jesus Christ. And if we don't come to him on our knees with our heart, with a passion, and cry out to him, this nation is going to slide all the way down the slide. And we'll just be another third world country with a pretty good military. And if there's, you know why we're not threatening Iran? It's not because we, Democrats in power. The reason we're not threatening Iran is we can't afford it. Hello. 
<laughs> we can't afford it. And, and, and our economy's a mess. You know why our economy's a mess? Because we've taken God out of everything in this nation. And we've got to put God back in it, but we can't just talk about the politicians. The people sitting in this house is what it got to take God back into this nation, praise God. You see, you got a divine destiny, a divine plan for your life. And it's not just to come and sit on your sweet by and by on a Sunday morning and visit God. You see, God's not interested in a Sunday morning date. He wants a marriage. He wants somebody to serve him with a passion deep down in his heart, praise God. He wants somebody who has a fire in him that wants to just walk with him as Adam walked with him in the cool of the day. And that he wants, that's all I want, praise God. And I'm not perfect. I make tons of mistakes. I got a son here that'll verify it all, praise God. But I also got his grace. Hallelujah. We feed 3,000 kids every day, five days a week, at 17 locations at our schools in the province. These kids may be the only meal they get. I can feed a kid for 35 cents. 35 cents a day. That is a vitamin-enriched rice meal with toppings. In other words, beef sauce or vegetable sauces and things like that. That's very typical Haitian. And, uh, and I pay the, the little kitchens that prepare them, and we give them a little budget so they can go out in the market areas and buy little things to add to it. 35 cents. But when you're feeding 3,000 at 20 days a month, when you do the math, it comes out to $21,000 a month. Now, Church on the Rock, Texarkana, has been a part of this for a long time now. And we thank God. I mean, you guys still using the cans? You guys filled them cans up, would you? Dump that change in the cans and bring them in because we're feeding kids. And, and it, the funny thing is I tried to do what everybody else does and get the little sponsors, and all of a sudden I re realized I needed a, a staff of 15 just to do that. And so I, I was trying to do it, and God said, I didn't tell you to do it that way. I said, how do you want me to do it? He said, just believe me. And then, have, and then you know what? Different churches and different groups just kind of do something. And, and every month, I'm not talking some months, every month I don't know how we're going to make it, but every month we make it. I don't know how it happens. I do know how it happens. It's a miracle of God. $20,000 a month in my budget is big. I'm not uh, Billy Graham or Franklin Graham. You know, I'm just me, Jay. That's all I am. Went down with nothing because God said go. Somebody say go. That's right. And so we do that, and we thank you for it, and keep remembering us, praise God. We opened our clinic in an infirmary, put a full-time doctor on staff, just had medical teams come through. Any medical people in Church on the Rock, Texarkana, time for you to come down to Haiti and bring some medicine, praise God. Hallelujah. We treated 1,500 people in six days and gave out over 3,000 prescriptions to those 1,600 to 1,500 people. It was massive. It was unbelievable. All those doctors said, I'm going back. I said, good, don't forget us. My wife's ministry is our school, our, our main uh, private school. Uh, we have 300-plus English-speaking Haitian students accredited uh, that are in attendance. Most of them come up. It's English-speaking. It's accredited here in the United States with ORU, ICAA, and, uh, an, and a secular group. And most of those go on to higher-level learning. Of course, our graduating class is like 22. So it's one class in every grade level. But out of those 22, 20 will go on to a university here in the United States. And so it's pretty good. It's a pretty good percentage of numbers. And, and some of them are coming back now as they've been educated and serving back in the nation of Haiti and still come and visit us and tell us what an impact we had on their life as they were coming up, praise God. Hallelujah. And you see, so in the midst of all this, what I've learned is destiny. Someone say destiny. 
You see, you have a destiny. Here's the good news. The good news is God will probably not tell you to move to Haiti. But you know what good news to me? God ain't telling me to move to Texarkana. Ha! <laughs> you can have it. I got Haiti. But you're responsible for Texarkana. And you need to understand that. You see, I was challenged in the other service. I said, you know, when was the last time one of you went out and grabbed somebody and said, come to church with me, I'll come get you, and I'll, I'll sit you. I know you're struggling. I'll bring you to church. I'll pick you up, and I'll take you to lunch after. You see, you promise an American lunch, and they're in. They'll go ahead and suffer whatever if you give them lunch. Get off your wallet, yo cheap thing. How about you men grab them for lunch and take them to a, take them to a restaurant for a football game and, and, and eat appetizers the whole time. Talk to them about Jesus. When was the last time some of you sitting here went out there and grabbed somebody for Jesus? You see, if all of us would do that, we would double the church in, the, in, a, seat, in a service or two. You see, Texarkana needs a move of God. Someone say move of God. Texarkana needs a move of God. Now, you are in the heartland. It is still a bit conservative here, and it's nice. But let me tell you something. Texarkana is not shielded from all the garbage that's going to happen if we don't have an awakening in the United States of America once again. There's destiny on your life. When was the last time you got on your knees and said, instead of saying, God, pay my credit card bill, said, God, what do you want me to do for you today? Yeah, that's what living for Jesus is about. Get on your knees, and you don't start out, I need, I need, I need. You start out, or, or you get into the spiritual war, I bind you, devil. You take your hands off what's precious to me, my money. When's the last time you just bowed your knee and said, God, would you lead someone in my life today that I could touch them for your glory and your son? You see, that's Christianity. Not huddling up in our little groups and just guarding ourselves. No one likes denial. No one likes people making fun of us, talking against us. But at the same time, we've got to share our faith. I'm pretty sure Texas is not totally saved yet. You got destiny. And what you got to do is you got to seek God. You see, God not holding back what your destiny is. He's not keeping it a secret. Your destiny, he wants to reveal it to you. Now, some of your destiny may just be serving, and it's not a little thing, serving in a local church, helping the children, helping the teenagers, helping the mission teams get ready to go. That's all about it. But the most part of our destiny is being a light. A light to a dark world. There's people out there struggling and suffering. They don't have the answers. Guess what? We do. It's one answer. Jesus. And so you got to step out. You gotta, and if you don't know what your destiny is, God's not going to hold it back from you. Just go ahead and ask him. He'll begin to let you know if you listen a little bit. problem with most people praying is we talk a whole lot and say amen and walk away. Sometimes we just got to shut our mouths, sit down and say, God, talk to me. And it might take an hour or two for you to quiet your little old head down. Somebody say amen. amen. It's not bad preaching. And I want to leave this with you a little bit too. When you step out in your destiny, the enemy is going to come against you. 
You better, be, you better go ahead and prepare yourself spiritually. God has a divine plan and purpose for you, and there's great satisfaction in that plan. Man, I, I am so glad for 26 years we've been able to do what we've been able to do. By his grace, he took this guy. You know what signs and wonders are? Six, 7,000 black Haitians follow short, fat, white guy. That's a sign and a wonder. It's a sign and a wonder to me. I'm amazed by it. Why would they follow me? I don't know. Jesus, I guess. Has to be. God has a plan for you, and it's tremendously satisfying. I'm pretty sure I've got to serve coffee to my wife for all of eternity for following me. I'm pretty sure I already volunteered. God, if, that's, if I can do that to bless her back, I'll do that for her. But when you step out, when you get it, when you get the plan, go ahead and get ready for all hell to break loose. You see, there is a spiritual war out there. See, we all want to complain about natural things. The Bible says in Ephesians, it says, finally, you know the scripture, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Be strong in what? What is it? Not be strong in our Democratic Party. Not be strong in our Republican Party. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Then he says, put on the whole armor of God. Now, if you study that out, and I don't have time, and you probably already got this in Sunday school somewhere, that whole armor of God is Jesus. Breastplate of righteousness, who's our righteousness? Helmet of salvation, who's our salvation? Feet shot with the preparation of gospel of peace, who's the gospel? Belt of truth, who's the truth? So what he's saying is put on Jesus. Putting on the whole armor of God. And you know, I remember back in the 70s, we'd all used to put it on in our prayers. I thought, what the heck is this about? I, even, I wasn't even a theologian then, and I go, this don't seem right. Okay, Lord, now we're going to put on the helmet of salvation. Everybody do this. And we're going to put on the belt of truth, and everybody do this. And I'm going, this ain't right. Then I got the revelation. He ain't talking about putting nothing on. He's talking about putting Jesus on. And the only way to put Jesus on is to spend some time with Jesus. Every time you go into the presence of Jesus, you're putting Jesus on. And if you're not going into the presence of Jesus and you're doing your little shaka shaka shulu prayer, that ain't going to do nothing. We're talking about spending time with Jesus. Well, it's just not my expression. Well, you need to change. God not interested in our expression. He really interested in his. Good message, Lord. He said, put on the whole armor of God. That you, why? So that you would be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You see, there's an enemy out there, and he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He don't want to take no prisoners. But Jesus said, I have come to give you life and to give it to you abundantly. Well, then he goes on. I mean, this is not a bad passage. It's pretty natural, but every time I read it, I get something. Amazing about that in the Bible, isn't it? For we don't wrestle against Democrats and Republicans. And don't say it. And I know some Republicans that are just as demon-possessed as are Democrats. You just look at them and know they got devils. I'm going to come over there and preach, praise God. He said, we wrestle against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. 
You see, devil wanted to take your first lady out. He wanted to take her out. But God said, no, you're not taking her. And because of the prayers of the saints and those standing in the gap, she's healed in Jesus' name. The devil don't play with rules. The devil don't play fair. The devil comes to kill you, take you down any way he can. This is better in first service. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness in this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. See, when you step out into your destiny, you just go ahead and plan on it. Because that's going to send you to your knees more than anything else is when the battle begins to wage. Some people come up, I just don't, don't realize why all this is happening to me because all I'm trying to do is follow God. Well, if you're following God, that's why it's happening to you. Anybody following God? See, if you're sitting there and got no problems, you ain't following God. You are no threat to the devil. So when you become a threat to the devil, he begins to, I mean, I've seen some spiritual war just recently. I don't ever want to see it again. I mean, some stuff. I'm thinking, dear God, is there a, I guess I can handle it. You said in the word, you'll not put more on me than I can handle. But I was right on the edge, I'm sure. Hallelujah. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Here, I like this part. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. When you've done it all, when you've done everything you know to do, because you got a destiny and you're walking it out, you re finally realize what God wants you to do. All hell is breaking loose. And you're walking out and you've done all you know to do. You stand and stand and stand. And that's my story, and I'm sticking with it. I ain't changing it. I ain't going to move it. It's my story. I'm going to stand on it. God said it. I believe it. Who cares about anything else? And I've seen God move in the 11th hour, 59th minute, and the 59th second so many times. It's unbelievable. But God always moves because you stand. Now, if you're not standing, you might miss a move. That wavering thing, he doesn't impress him too much. He still loves you. He'll protect you. He'll take care of you. But I'm not talking about shoes and manna. I got a mountain to take. See, that's what Israel's, they got real comfortable for 40 years wandering the desert. They never entered in their destiny. They got Christians sitting in churches all over America. They're in the desert. They're getting food. They're getting taken care of. God loves them. God take care of them. They sing a little kumbaya on Sunday morning and really impress, trying to think they're impressing God. But they're not really impressing God because they're not even in their destiny. Say destiny. God wants to reveal to each one of you your destiny. And he wants you to walk it out. And a lot what happens, and here's a good part. This is because I'm local church man. Say local church. Every one of your destiny will enhance this corporate destiny. Because there's a corporate destiny on this body. There's a corporate destiny on Church on the Rock, Texarkana. And should we fail to do it, God will bring a whole other crew in to get it done. And then there'll come a day we'll all stand before him. And when we stand before him, we're going to be pretty naked. I'm not talking about natural naked. I got some stuff I'm really working under the blood right now. 
He's trying to adjust my whole personality, and it's messing with me. He's trying to adjust my whole personality. I'm old. That personality's been there a long time. I said, dang, God. That's not cussing. Dang. I said, what are you trying to do to me? I can't change all that. He says, yes, you can. I said, I've been like that forever. He says, I ain't been happy forever. You're just now hearing me. Hello. You see what he's doing is he's killing me. He wants Jay dead. Not physical. He wants me to spiritually die so he can resurrect me. Take me to the next level. Go to the next place in him, praise God. You see, there's another level that you, we have not received or walked in yet, and God's calling us there. It's called an awakening for the United States of America. It's called revival in a whole city. It's called a move of God so pronounced that the people will write, the historians will write books over it because they've never seen it before in their life. He's talking about signs and wonders. When's the last time your shadow healed somebody? You see, I want to know the God of Peter. I want to know the God of Elijah that called fire down from heaven. I want to know the God of Elijah that said, don't rain three years and don't rain. And praise again, says rain, and it rains, praise God. I want to know the God of David that even in his mishaps and his error, he cries out to God and the love and grace of God touches him and restores him, praise God. I want to know that God. I want to walk with that God. I don't want to play some Christian game. I want to walk with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. <clears throat> I think that's about all I got to say today. But you need to want to know that. You got to stir it up if you don't. Because I'll tell you what, we'll finish with this. When I stand before him, I want to see the smile in his eyes. And I want him to smile at me and say, son, I know what you gave up, but you did what I asked you. Well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear. God bless you all. Come on up here, Pastor John.